Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. We hope that this is a blessing to everyone wherever you are listening and tuning into. Two great thinkers. I want to start A.W. Tozer and C.S. Lewis. I know many of you are fans of both of those thinkers. It's interesting. A.W. Tozer would say and did say the most important thing about you is what you think about God. The most important thing about you is what, how you think about God. C.S. Lewis said, ah, the most important thing about you is how God thinks about you. He kind of turned it upside down. It's not what we think about God, it's what God thinks about us. I want to say, let's embrace both of those because today's lessons, today's word from God in Isaiah chapter 40, I think kind of bring out both of those points. If you have a Bible, open it up to Isaiah 40. We're walking through this chapter I think we're spending six weeks in it, and uh, we're in week number five. Last week, we, we really raised the question, what if God is wiser than we think? What if God is greater than we think? This week, and I said that uh, I, was, I had two more points, well, I added a bonus point, so you can thank me later for that. But I want you to think about, as again, just a reminder, here we are, we're in Isaiah, we're looking at verses 18 through 27, and here's what's happening. Isaiah, what he seems to be doing in this part of the chapter is he's realizing that these people still cannot grasp the good news, that God is accessible, approachable, available, powerful, greater, wiser. Uh, they, They don't get it. And so over and over and over and over again, he keeps asking these questions. Have you not heard? Don't you understand? You know, who who do you compare God to? And it's like he's trying everything. He's just trying everything. And he's saying, why, why, why is it that you still won't believe in God? And if that argument won't satisfy you, well, uh, I'm going to try a different angle. And I'm going to say, wow, if you can't grasp how good God is, If I frame it this way, I'm going to frame it that way. And so as we're in Isaiah 40, I want you to read it and reread it like Jono, Pastor Jono invited us to. But rather than questions, I'm going to make bold declarations. Three, whoops, three this week. Three bold declarations that come out of Isaiah 40, verses 18 to 27. The the first is God is more permanent more permanent. I'm going to give my wife credit for that. I was running through this, and and she came up with that word. God is more permanent than we think. Let me read for you Isaiah 40, verses 18 through 20. To whom can you compare God? What image can you find to resemble him? Did you hear that? What image can you find to resemble him? Can he be compared to an idol? formed in a mold overlaid with gold and decorated with silver chains, or if people are too poor for that, they might at least choose wood that won't decay and a skilled 
craftsman to carve an image that won't fall down. What, what is Isaiah talking about here? Well, in his day, the people of God were depending on, they were actually turning their hearts away from God and towards, in worship, they were worshiping idols. They were worshiping these kind of superstitious works of art, counterfeit gods, little uh, cultural artifacts, hand-carved idols. And Isaiah basically is calling that out here in verses 18 through 20. He says, really, you're going to pray to that like little rabbit's foot? You, that counterfeit God, you expect that piece of wood, that little carving to come through for you? Like you think that, that little thing's powerful? And what's interesting, if you've read any Tim Keller, he wrote a book called Counterfeit Gods, and he reminds us that though we're not worshiping little carvings, we're still today in the 21st century worshiping idols. Listen to this quote from Tim Keller. He says, an idol is whatever you look at and you say, in your heart of hearts, if I have that, if I have that, then I will feel my life has meaning. Then I'll know I have value. Then I'll feel significant and secure. If anything becomes more fundamental than God to your happiness, meaning, meaning in life and identity, then it is an idol. So here's my question for you this morning, today, tonight, whenever you're watching. Here's the question. What is your that? What is your, if I have that, then I'll be happy, I'll be fulfilled, I'll have meaning. What is your that? Is it a ring on your finger? Is it a million dollars in the bank? Is it your kids being successful? Is it the Ivy League education? Is it the abs, stomach, the hot body? What is it for you that you're going, if I can get to that or have that or possess that, experience that, my life will be happy, meaningful, and my identity's wrapped around that. You know, Isaiah goes on to say, and I love the way he writes it in Isaiah 46, verses 4 through 7. Listen to this. He says this, I will be your God throughout your lifetime. That's permanence. I will be your God throughout your lifetime until your hair is white with age. I made you and I will care for you. I will carry you along and save you. And then he asks the questions again. I love this. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Some people pour out their silver and gold. They hire a craftsman to make a god from it. And then they bow down and they worship it. And they carry it around on their shoulders. And then when someone prays to it, there's no answer. It can't rescue anyone from trouble. What's Isaiah saying? He's saying, invest your life in that which is permanent. The Lord God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, the one who holds the earth together, the sustainer of the universe. So God is more permanent than you think. He's also, here's my second reflection, bold declaration. He's more powerful than you think. Verses 21 through 26. Don't you know? I love these questions. Haven't you heard? It's like, hello, are you paying attention? And then he says this. Isn't it clear that God created the world? God is the one who rules the whole earth. And we that live here are merely insects. Listen to that poetic language. 
He spread out the heavens like a curtain. Let me say that again. He spread out the heavens like a curtain or an open tent. God brings down rulers and turns them into nothing. They're like flowers freshly sprung up and starting to grow, but when God blows on them, they wilt and they're carried off like straw in a storm. The holy God asks, who compares with me? Is anyone my equal? Look at the evening sky. Who created the stars? Who gave them each a name? Who leads them like an army? And then here's Isaiah's answer. The Lord is so powerful that none of the stars are ever missing. The Lord is so powerful. Just underline that phrase in your Bible this morning. The God who created this world, he holds it together. He's a powerful God. It makes me think of the story in John chapter 2, the story of Jesus performing his first miracle. Do you remember it? He's at a wedding. And I've been thinking about it this week. What was Jesus doing at that wedding? Oh, I know. He was the officiant, right? He was officiating the wedding. No, he wasn't. Oh, he was the best man. That's why he was, no, wasn't the best man. I know what you're thinking. He was the caterer. That's how, that's, that's how it happened. He wasn't the caterer. So what was Jesus doing at that wedding? Why was he there? John 2 verse 2 says that Jesus and his disciples were invited to be there. Now, here's a very powerful principle for all of us right now listening in. Just tune in right now. Listen up to this. Jesus shows up when he's invited. Jesus shows up with power, the power to transform a situation, a circumstance, a relationship, something where there's scarcity and he provides abundance, something that's as that's as ordinary as water, he turns that into something extraordinary as the finest wine. And I'm just wondering right now, where do you need Jesus to show up in your life with power? Where do you need Jesus to show up? Have you invited him to show up? Have you extended an invitation to him to say, I need you in my life. I need you in my family that's fractured right now. I need you in my health situation that I got a bad health report. I need you in my career right now that uh, I lost my job or it's not going. Where can you invite Jesus to show up in your life? We learned from John 2 that when he's invited, he shows up and he shows up with power. Ephesians 3.20, I love the Passion Translation it's uh, translated this way, Ephesians 3.20. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all of this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request. Did you hear that? He will, I'm going to say that again. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. His power is at work in you and through you. So God is more permanent than you think. He's more powerful. And then here's my final bonus point for you. This bold declaration that Isaiah is making. God is, he really is more personal than we think. Look at verse 27 of Isaiah 40. In the message, it's translated this way, or paraphrased this way. 
Why would you ever complain, O Jacob? Now just pause. Whenever, whenever the Old Testament talks about Jacob or Israel, the Old Testament scholar David Hubbard, who was the president of Fuller Seminary, he taught me back in the day when, uh, when he was at Fuller and at Montecito Covenant, he said, wherever there's Israel or Jacob, you could put your own name in there. And I often do that in my Bible. I just write my name. So it's like, why would you ever complain, John? And then it goes on to say, or whine, Israel, saying, God has lost track of me. He doesn't care what happens to me. Don't you know anything? Haven't you been listening? And what's Isaiah doing? Again, he's reminding us that God is not some impersonal, distant force. He's a personal God who has not lost track of us, who does care about every little part of our lives, our troubles, our weights, our concerns, our challenges, our celebrations. I'm going to ask you a question. Have you ever felt like God lost track of you? Maybe this morning you're feeling like, you know, I'm suffering a lot. Has God, feels like God's lost track of me. Again, maybe in loneliness, singleness, maybe a loss. You lost a loved one. You lost a husband, a mom, a friend over the last several months. And you're wondering, has God lost track? Maybe you even feel distant or feel far from God because you actually lost track of God. You're the one who's been living in the shadows, the dark shadows of sin. And I want you to, I'm going to close this up with a quote from this book club that we've uh, having called Gentle and Lowly. The author's Dane Ortland. On page 83, he writes this. Don't miss this. We're going to throw it up on the screen. But there's that one deep, dark part of our lives, even present lives, that seems so intractable, so ugly, so beyond recovery. To the uttermost, in Hebrews 7.25 means God's forgiving, redeeming, restoring touch reaches down into the darkest crevices of our souls, those places where we are most ashamed, most defeated. And more than this, those crevices of sin are themselves the places where Christ loves us the most. Did you hear that? His heart willingly goes there. His heart is most strongly drawn there. He knows us to the uttermost. He saves us to the uttermost because his heart is drawn out to us to the uttermost. We cannot sin our way out of his tender care. That is so powerful. You cannot sin your way out of his tender care. God sees you, he knows you, and he loves you. I'm going to close this in prayer. I'm going to throw that picture up that we had on last week of the father's hand holding the hand of a little child. And I want you just to imagine that's you this morning. Just reach out and, and grab God's hand and just remember, he will never let go of your hand. Let me close us in prayer. Kind father, our desire right now is to be deeply connected to you. So we embrace your hand and we embrace your ways and we recommit ourselves today to follow you wholeheartedly, to trust you and to walk in your ways. Thank you that you're permanent, powerful, 
and personal. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you re-enter your day, we hope that you will take just a few moments to pause and respond to what God has put on your heart through this message. Thank you again for listening to the Ocean Hills podcast. For access to more sermons, visit the Watch and Listen page on OceanHills.org or find them on the Ocean Hills app. 